Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me as well. And this is our first ever Sunday game review podcast. Uh, you know, thanks to 24-7, we've been hooked up with a little bit more technology. They're they're pushing more of these multi-podcasts a week. So we figured we ought to do one on Sundays, kind of getting some of the takeaways, some of the thoughts, uh, some of the... Uh, things to review from the game while they're fresh so our format and this is experimental so feel free to pass on comments if if there's something else you want to see or some other way you want us to break it down but we want to go we used to have an old 247 story and what it was was we would do two game balls uh we used to do stat stuff for the podcast we'll do two game balls four observations from the game and then we'll take take seven listener questions if we don't get seven listener questions that's okay because we also have some questions that maybe we were wondering about as well so anyway we can get started first two game balls i'll go first i'm giving my game ball to shay patterson i know that there was there was talk or complaints about his third quarter his second half uh you know he completed 15 of his first 20 passes and only two of his next nine I'm going to chalk that one up to what appeared to be a rib injury. You know, I know I know Jim Harbaugh talked about it after the game. I think the first 20 passes he threw, that's that's what the takeaway is. Um, obviously, if he gets hurt again, then that's that's also relevant. But he looked crisp. I felt like for a new offense, he read things really well. Uh, you can tell that they that there's a lot of trust and chemistry there. You know, he had several, I think four passes of over 25 yards. Lots lots of plays that I think were were plays that Michigan didn't quite see as much as they wanted to last year. And I don't know if that's due to the offense. I don't know if that's due to Shea. Uh, but I thought he looked really fresh. Steve, I don't know. I, I haven't checked the message boards very much. I don't know if there's an outcry or, or anything like that. I mean, I guess what's what's your temperature on, on Shea Patterson's first game? I mean, I thought he looked good. I thought his... You know, the first few miscues I thought were more on the receiving end rather than the throwing end, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, there was a clear difference after he pulled his rib or whatever he did. Uh, there seemed to be a clear difference in uh, how he performed. So I think there, I don't think usually that's not a coincidence, right? So I thought he played fine. Yeah. You know, a lot of different – got a lot of different guys the ball. Uh, did well with the RPO stuff. I know they didn't do – they actually didn't really do a lot of that yesterday. Maybe – less than I thought they would do. But overall, yeah, I mean I was I was satisfied with how he played. Fumbles were a little bit of an issue. Yeah. That that's something I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, might just be a new offense thing. I don't think that's gonna be, you know, the beginning of a pattern or, or, or a trend or anything in that regard. I'd be surprised if that stuff continued. May have just been some first game jitters, miscommunications, little things like that that they'll work out the kinks going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind is that I mean, I, I hate the whole they're holding back or they're they're using a vanilla playbook or whatever, but what are they doing in the third quarter if they're up a couple touchdowns? Are they are they really airing things out, especially if their quarterback's a little banged up? So, I don't know. He got the game ball to me. I felt like the first half he was the MVP. Um, so that's, and that's the half that I felt like was more relevant. So, therefore, he gets my game ball. Steve, who's your game ball? It's got to be Embry Thomas. I mean, happy for him. You know, the initial reports we had were they were looking at Rutgers 
as when he would make his his return. Okay. Uh, maybe it was Rutgers with a best case scenario of maybe Wisconsin. I mean, that was the initial thought. That was after Harbaugh said he had returned to practice. So whether they were whether sources or whoever were being conservative, I I don't know. Obviously, they may have been looking back, but for him to not just come back but play at a high level like he did is really cool to see. Uh, again, really happy for him. He's a good, was a great guy to cover in high school. Uh, one of the hardest workers on the team, you know, and, and got that kind of dog mentality. He's, you know, next sort of that, always been that next in line behind Jordan Lewis, Lavert Hill. Ambry's kind of that next guy for Michigan at defensive back out of Detroit. So to see him back, not just back on the field, but playing at a high level, I thought was was great. Not just obviously not just for him though. I mean, but for the team and for the cornerback unit as a whole. Uh, I mean, it's just that's uh, a big shot in the arm for them. You know, and to, for him to come out. I know he said after the game yesterday that that interception was a big confidence builder for him, which I think we talked a little bit last week about or earlier this week about how. And I know he's a guy that's played, but to come back from something like what he was going through and for his initial impact to be so highly positive I think is something that he can really build on for the rest of the year so you know if you're Michigan him just him not just playing but playing at the level he did yesterday I think is is about as best case scenario as you could ask for given what we knew a month and a half two months ago about his condition and his situation right right yeah I mean that's you know you you first heard about the news and I mean you know when you hear those reports of oh they're trying to get him back this day this day that's that's the optimistic outlook i mean there was a possibility that it could be even longer so yeah for him to come back i know that was a big goal for him too he had a i think isaiah holes talked about this he had a you know ambry had a personal goal to play in this in the season opener and at times it didn't look like it was going to happen and he made it happen so and and it played well i mean that was his best game as a as a michigan football player so it's um yeah, I, I could see that for the game ball. Other other players, we'll, we might bring them up later on. Uh, but Zach Charbonnet, Tariq Black, uh, Jordan Glasgow might have been my my next runners up. Uh, on to observations, Steve. I, I you said one right before the show started that I think is is maybe a one of the ones that's being discussed a little bit less is that the two biggest question marks on this team, which were well, there's one other one, but the secondary and the running backs. Uh, you know, I, I, I can personally, I felt like the running backs, I don't, that'd be my, one of my biggest takeaways is that, you know, it's not going to be a problem, but yeah, both question marks, uh, pretty resoundingly answered. Um, and, and it seems like that cornerback situation, suddenly there's hardly any concern there. I mean, you know, I gave my game ball to Thomas, but Vincent Gray was right in that conversation, in my opinion, as well. Talk about a great debut you know, not just – I liked the the physical brand of ball he played. He's not a, an imposing figure physically, in my opinion. He looks more of your – like your kind of classic cover corner type guy, but made a couple huge sticks uh, on the edge. You know, that one near the goal line, one I think on a fourth down play. You know, that, that type of stuff will really endear him to the coaching staff and is going to keep him on the field. And I thought – you know, and I know we talked about – I believe he was – the cover guy on the second touchdown, but that was more of a broken play than anything else. So I'm not really going to ding him too hard on that one. I thought he was great in coverage. I know they tested him a few times on the outside. And yeah, I mean, I I would have guessed, 
you know, because we didn't know Thomas was going to – there were rumblings that he may play the, uh, yesterday, but it wasn't like a certainty. You know, the the outlook at corner, yeah, has gone from – it's night and day what it was even 48 hours ago because you got Lavert Hill – who's, you know, kind of the mainstay there, a guy you're going to be able to count on. But for Gray and Thomas to both play such excellent games, that's awesome for Michigan. I mean, that's a – you like to see that, you know, coming out of the season. Again, like I said, and I keep going back to this, for a guy like Gray, you know that Saturday was a huge confidence builder for him. You know, and so it would be interesting yeah. to see. We won't see them get tested a ton, at least throwing the ball uh, next Saturday against Army. But – Huge confidence builder for him going forward too. So and then yeah, you get you get to running back. Again, it's the other things too. It wasn't just running the football. True Wilson's block is what opened up Tariq Black's touchdown. Him uh, receiving the the blitz, you know, and and hitting his assignment. Charbonnet, I thought did a really good job. You know, for a guy in his first game, picking up the blitzes as well. He's going to be big enough to pick them up. It would be more about assignment for him. And then I like you. Know, you gotta love the way that Christian Turner runs the football too. Uh, you know, I think Charbonnet Turner quietly could turn into a nice little one-two combination for them. Charbonnet maybe not so quietly, but I really liked what we saw to Turner yesterday too. So, and it's not always about the yardage. It's sometimes it's kind of the little thing. I know Charbonnet hit on that long run he had, made an excellent cut at the second level, uses off arm to push a defender away. I mean, it was just a, a great classic run. A guy that you watch and you say, this guy just knows how to run the football, knows what to do when he's got a little bit of space. So, you know, I think, t- yeah, two of the positions I think there may be some question marks about or two of the positions I think fans should be more excited about uh, coming out of this game. I mean, that's, you know, running the football is going to be key, I feel like, because teams are going to want to kind of peg their passing game and, and and focus on trying to stop them from throwing the ball. You know, so for them to come out and and look solid from a running back standpoint, I think is again, it's a really good case scenario if you're Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I mean Christian Turner looks like someone that could be a number one back too. You know, I think Charbonnet should be the number one back. I don't I mean I think if Michigan is doing its due diligence, this is the only game that he gets let eight carries you know I think think he could he's worthy of closer to 10 to 15 a game moving forward but you know Turner a couple times when he ran around the corner or he was going just uh you know off tackle it's like oh he's got he's got some of that quickness and he has he does that Karan Higdon thing where he's able to you know it's it's not necessarily as you said not the yardage it's the marginal yardage how many more yards do you, can you get than what the play kind of had you set to get like if it's a run and and the holes that open up allow you to get three yards. Are you able to get a fourth? Are you able to get a fifth? And Karan Higdon did that. His legs never stopped moving. I think that was a big part of how he ascended to that star back role. Uh, and I feel like Christian Turner, I mean, we've compared him to Karan Higdon quite a bit. You know, similar size, similar sense of vision, similar uh, running style. And apparently he's got the same same deal where he's he's going to motor for the extra half yard. And, and yeah, I, I think you're right. I think... You know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be all Big Ten running backs there. I don't, I don't think, but, but certainly could be a, a serviceable one too that you're way less concerned about than you used to be. Um, observation number two, I'll go. My temperature on the offensive mistakes is actually a lot cooler, or a lot colder than than most fans. I really don't think that's a big deal. You know, I, I think, I remember I wrote out of the spring game 
the biggest takeaway I had was that they didn't make a lot of offensive mistakes because it's hard it's hard to you know to get all 11 people on the same page when you're completely changing what's on the page I think it's I think it's notable I think it's you know I, I think the fumbles you know we have a question about the mesh points so we'll talk about that some of the some of the pre-snap penalties yeah you don't want that but I don't think when you're playing middle Tennessee and then you're playing army and then you have a bye week you're you're I think as a coaching staff you're enabled to not overload your team but maybe implement it more looking at things as maybe it's a six or seven week fall camp instead of a three or four week fall camp so as long as I mean you know you probably want to see week to week progression you probably want to see things look cleaner next week but I I really you know I know that was the big concern it was it was part of my game story you know I said the mistakes clouded the show a little bit but it's in my opinion, I don't think they're actually that big of a deal. Uh, Michigan is not the only top 25 team in the country to struggle in week one. Some teams are ready to go in week one. You know, more power to them. That, that's beneficial. But some teams are kind of second or third week teams. And that's probably why Michigan <laughs> wants to get out of all these season opening primetime matchups that it can get out of. Because... Um, you know, I think I think this is that this is a team that probably does need to ease into the schedule a little bit with the new offense, with the new players on defense, kind of a new identity, really. Uh, so, so I'm I'm way less. I know some people are are hitting the panic button already. Some people just naturally will, but I I really don't think it's it's too much to to consider. That that'd be that'd probably be my biggest observation from the game overall. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, one of my other observations, kind of going back to the secondary, sort of the back seven, but I thought Brad Hawkins was great yesterday too, you know, and a guy that had a lot of hype coming out of fall camp. And there's always been that talk about, oh, the hype out of the fall camp guy. Um, you know, I thought <laughs> by and large, you know, I thought by and large, uh, Hawkins looked like a guy who's going to be playing a ton this year, you know, and, and that, you know, Metellus is going to be Metellus. That's the way I always look at it. He's, you know, we had those guys that we look at on this team as co- sort of the constants, the guys you can kind of count on. He's one of them. So, you know, to have another guy on the other side, I think, is good. You know, it's like the thing, like, you know, here's the the stats. Or, you know, Michigan's defense, I thought, played a really an excellent game. You know, the only real – they had a couple gaffes. But you look at them rushing uh, – Middle Tennessee running the ball, 67 total yards – 32 was from the quarterback, and 18 was on that play that they scored a touchdown on, which Michigan had, what, three guys in his face, you know, and he kind of slipped free. So, what, take that away, and you got, what, not even 50 rushing yards. You know, and here's the other thing, too. I think people maybe fail a little bit to remember. Middle Tennessee won their division in Conference USA last year, and they were, I believe they won nine or ten games. If I recall, they they went eight and they went eight and six. But the the key, and this is something I noted before the game, they lost eleven starters from that team. Sure, and so there were, you know, it. I I understand it's it's not Idaho. You know, Penn State played a team that literally dropped out of FBS because it was so hard for them to field a team. It's not Florida Atlantic. I think that's a real mess of a team right now. You know, some of some of these other early season foes. It's not Tulsa. 
I think Middle Tennessee, I mean, they haven't had a losing season since 2011. Right. That said, I, I do, I don't think you get to use the crutch. Well, they, they played in the conference USA title game what? because I, I don't, I don't know that they're contending for that. It wasn't this year. a crutch. It wasn't really a crutch. It's just like, they weren't playing the, oh, yeah, yeah. weren't playing yeah. the, the, was it the sisters of the poor? Is that what people say when they're describing a, a bad team? Something like that. Isn't that what they call them? I believe that's how Ohio State's athletic director called TCU, maybe? Something, right? So, like that, yeah, there's something. So, they weren't playing yeah. that, is really what my point was. So, you know, and I, I think, you know, leading into another point for me, I, I, I offensively, it just it felt like more tinkering than anything else seeing like there were so there was a just such a wide variety of looks that they threw out there Mm -hmm. yesterday and I really do think it was more about not necessarily process of elimination because I assume that these are all things that they believe can be effective you know if executed properly but I do think you know one of the things you got to do is you got to learn what your strengths are you know and you can only practice against your own team so many times and and you know when it doesn't really matter you know but to actually get out on the field run some different schemes like I said I mean the one of the bigger surprises to me was that uh, there were only like a handful of RPO plays that they ran yesterday and I kind of feel like maybe a lot of us believe that that was going to be a bigger staple and again maybe it will be going forward but I was surprised to only see it come out a handful of times and you know obviously it was actually really effective when they did do it you know, but it's just I thought that was one of the other bigger things for me. I guess it was such a hodgepodge of of schemes and looks and you know the, what they were doing. You know, I thought it was really interesting, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, a month or a month and a half from now going back, like what did they what did they continue to use coming out of this game? What did they kind of shy away from? You know, like because I feel like it was as much a learning experience for their unit as it was for like a, a fan, you know, because it is, it's their first time out there, you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, it's their first experience in this type of offense. So um, really interested to see. And that's why I say it's hard to gauge how Gaddis called the game because outside of the McCaffrey blunder, which I still didn't really understand that, that play at all. But um, Outside of that, there was just such a wide variety of things that they were throwing out there that I think it really got the impression it was a lot more about just throwing the kitchen sink out there, seeing what hits, seeing what doesn't, and then maybe kind of moving on from there as sort of a maybe a foundation building block, you know, for the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I mean you know some of that stuff. Yeah, they're probably never going to try it again. I don't know if maybe we'll see Patterson and McCaffrey on the field at the same time, but. I got to think that we're less likely to. Uh, yeah, they were tinkering. Absolutely. Especially, I think, in that third quarter, they were looking at different things, especially with Shea Patterson out. Uh, my final observation, I was going to make it about both lines, but you made a good point that Middle Tennessee was absolutely trying to play avoid tackle for lost football, You know, get things beyond the line of scrimmage as soon as possible, even if there's a risk of it not being a good play so you know defensive line had good push for the most part I thought there were a couple times where uh it was unproductive push you know but but Ash O'Hara is a run first quarterback he's a he's a quote-unquote dual threat guy I think the offensive line you know I think that was a 
this would be my fourth observation or my second observation. I think that it was it was a wake up call kind of game for them. You know, I think that they they got they didn't quite get as much push as I was expecting them to get, and certainly understandable because your two offensive tackles are redshirt freshmen making their first appearance as Michigan football players. So, and and you know, John Runyon Jr. Harbaugh sounded after the game at least decently confident that he'll be back. Um, I, I guess you don't know until you know, but you know, Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes both had their hiccups, and I felt like Wenu had a couple hiccups. Uh, Ruiz definitely had at least one that that stood out notably to me watching it live. Uh, didn't didn't see anything that was on Bredesen, but but general point being, you know, for for in the offseason, I said Michigan should have a top five offensive line in the country this year. I don't know that I saw that on Saturday. So something something to keep in mind, you know, see how they do against Army, another probably undersized defensive front. And that is something that is tougher for, you know, large offensive linemen. If you're going up against a guy who's 80 pounds lighter than you, yeah, you'll bully him once you get him, but you got to get your hands on him too. Uh, so something to, something to keep an eye on. We can head to our seven questions now. First one, this comes from Jay Ritchie, who said, what did you not see from Michigan against Middle Tennessee that you want to see against Army and beyond? Steve? I don't want to take yours, but it was kind of what I was thinking, though, just because I, I was so impressed was to see a little bit more. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah this was yeah. to see a little bit more of what Zach Charbonnet can do. You know, I... Mm-hmm. I've probably written more about him than almost any recruit that I've covered just because we had such a good beat on his recruitment and just Michigan's expectations for him. It's hard not to be excited after what you saw yesterday. I mean, you can, like I said, yeah. I, like I said, you can, it's not so much about the raw statistics to me as it was just, you can just, you know, you, you don't need to be a coach or even somebody who knows a ton about football to watch him and know, like, okay, this guy knows, like, what he's doing out there. And mm-hmm. that was clear as day from the get-go yesterday. And like I said, I think one of the biggest things was his ability to pick up the blitz is going to keep him on the field all day long. If he continues to do it the way he did it yesterday, you know, I think that's a great sign. That's You know, that's like I said, I thought that – I think for Michigan, that was the only – real big question mark in my opinion that they had on him just because again goes back to okay you could maybe it was effective in practice but you just it's one of those things you have to see something like that in a game before you can feel fully confident in a guy you get people got to remember did not practice at all in the spring so fall ball was really his first acclimation to the college game uh mm-hmm. you know and and coming off of a very minor procedure you know, and for him to just come out and kind of gangbusters a little bit, and 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 just look in the way he looked, I think. Again, I don't think you, there's no need to run a guy. You know, they don't need to run him a ton necessarily, but I'm. It's more of just a curiosity thing for me. Is like, let's just keep giving him the ball and see what he can do. You know, because I, I think his emergence. And again, this is not not neglecting Christian Turner, who I think is also going to play a huge role. And as we already said, was was really good on Saturday too, but the emergence of guys that can run the football is going to be huge for this offense. 
this season. You know, we talk a lot about how great the receivers are, but it's a two, it's a push pull type deal. You know, so the better that these guys look early on, and and uh, the more t- looks and touches they're able to get, the more it's going to open everything else up. So, I think that I mean that was my biggest thing that I want to see next week is to see how he looks again and see if they, you know, use him any more any different ways. Uh, one other thing I noticed is definitely tried getting him involved in the passing game too. I think there was a concerted effort to do that. You know, and that didn't work out spectacularly necessarily, but you know, it's clear that they have confidence in him to catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So really impressive first performance for a guy that I again though, I think, you know, as much as I know I have hyped him up, you know, I thought he lived up to expectations for the most part. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I I, I agree. Just the fourth true freshman to start game one for Michigan in school history which is pretty crazy to me uh and and there isn't a lot of freshman history but everything I saw last night suggests he can be you know it depends on how often Michigan wants to give him the ball but he could be a thousand yard rusher like he has that kind of ability you know both just very dynamic he can do so many he can beat you in so many different ways and I'm I know everyone was asking about the blocking before the game Seems like he answered that pretty well, yeah. So that's that was mine. Uh, another one, you know. Let's let's see let's see more of what Tariq Black has. I know that's also a um, you know another offense. Just give him the ball more. You know, it's kind of a contradictory to giving Charbonnet the ball more because they only have so many snaps. But you know, five targets for a guy who was clearly head and shoulders above what his defenders could do. I felt like that that could have been a more fruitful target. I felt like felt like Michigan maybe didn't throw the ball over the middle as much as they could have. I mean, it seemed like there was still a lot of a lot of sideline stuff, which is, you know, natural. That's I don't think that, you know, a lot of teams are successful with it, but we've talked about it before. Shea Patterson's stats when he's throwing over the middle are vastly superior to his stats when he's throwing to the sideline. Um, just just in the way he plays, the way he goes about the position. Uh, so maybe maybe a little bit of that, you know. Uh, Ronnie Bell had seven targets and two catches, whereas Nico Collins and Don P- or no, no, and Tariq Black had, you know, almost what 139 yards on on nine targets. So same stuff. I mean, they're they're obviously I think they're aware of it. That was the whole point of this offensive change is to capitalize on Patterson and the big receivers, but. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's something that, you know, in a game against Middle Tennessee, they're trying to work the ball around more. Uh, next question. This one comes from uh, Jer Schmidt. Jer Schmidt. Probably not Jer. Probably Jer. Uh, do you think the issues with the mesh points is due to trying to cycle too many backs in with Shea? I, maybe. I mean, that's certainly a part of it, the chemistry. I think a lot of it just has to do with the timing of you know getting all 11 on the same page but there is some some element of chemistry to the handoffs 
or with the handoffs, with the with the decision making. You know, that there's a reason why this stuff is practiced at like what 20 hours a week, and so that's uh, it'll it, that part will get better. I also just think you know maybe coming up with some of the instinct, coming up with some of the muscle memory, not necessarily muscle memory, but like mental muscle memory of which plays are working, which plays are the bread and butter plays. You know, Patterson's not new to read option type plays or sequences like that, but it's uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Steve, what do you think? I mean, I think it's, that's a good, it was a good question. Um, it's, Probably a better question for the. Yeah, I agree. Too. I agree. That's it's one that's hard for us to answer because the answer would to me would be it, it. It has to be within the realm of possibility, right? I mean, because it's it's a it's a great point in that each back's going to receive the ball differently. Each back is going to maybe let release or take at a different time. You know, I mean, it's it's uh it's I think it's an interesting aspect of. You know what? Because again, I think we're going to see more and more of that this year. That more of that than we've seen from them in years past. So it, it is something that's going to have to will bear watching. I think going forward, you know. But I also don't fully anticipate that you're going to see five different guys get carries though in every game. I mean, I, I maybe I guess, but I, I don't. I think you're going to see well, probably the three for sure. You know, and and I don't, we'll see on the other two guys, but. Um. Yeah, it's just it's a, definitely a, a question maybe better posed to Harbaugh tomorrow, even or or yeah, to some of the players throughout the week because it's it's a it, you know it's it's worth noting given they had they struggled a little bit right. you know and hanging onto the ball in those situations so it, it's definitely noteworthy so good question. Mm-hmm. Next question. This one comes from Ryan S who says, why use LeVert Hill as a punt returner? Do you see that continuing once DPJ is back? No. Once DPJ returns, I don't expect them to go with LeVert Hill at punt returner. I don't know how long they're going to go with LeVert Hill punt returner anyways. To answer the question, uh, I know Chris Partridge is a, and most every special teams coach I've ever talked to, they're big believers in the most valuable thing you can do as a punt returner is catch the ball. I sense the irony there, but LeVert Hill is a senior. He has been practicing as a backup punt returner longer than anybody else on the team uh there's a lot of trust there and he is a really good athlete i mean you know it's not it's no accident that he's one of michigan's top nfl draft prospects at a position that emphasizes speed i mean he's you know there's 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 reason to like him back there uh but steve you and i were talking before the show you got michigan's got so many players who are fast and who are quick and who can who can do the job you know, as long, find someone who can catch the ball who isn't in the too deep and just go with that because there's the risk for injury. I mean, we did we did our countdown of most important players. Um, you know, Peoples-Jones was fourth. Lavert Hill was third. And I'd argue that maybe you could bump him up even even higher. Uh, he's, he's a really valuable asset for Michigan. A little bit of a gift that he came back. If you look at, you know, how many players these days – declare to go early instead to the NFL um don't don't let him get hurt on punt returns especially if he's not an elite elite you know out of this world punt returner which I don't think I saw him being you know put Ronnie Bell put Giles Jackson put Mike Sainer still as you said put a different guy with the last name Hill on the team out there 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think, Steve, you're on the same page here where it's just it's probably not worth the risk that comes with it. It was one of the things about yesterday that I just I kind of made me scratch my head a little bit, especially when you actually when you saw how effective Giles Jackson was on kick return. You know, put him back, throw him back there too. Then, yeah, because I agree. I just think the risk reward is the the cons just outweigh the pros so much in a situation like that. You know, where he's he is he's arguably one of your two or three most valuable players this year when you consider, you know, the 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 top teams that Michigan is going to play this season are going to throw the ball a lot. We know about Ohio State especially, you know, and and you know I think putting Hill back there. Not because he's not capable, that's the least of it. But, you know, we have a there's a laundry list of guys about who can like I said before, he wouldn't even be the first hill that I would put back there. Yeah. Like I'd have had Daxton Hill back there before I'd have Lavert Hill, just based solely off of what we know about his athletic ability. But um so yeah, that one kinda had me scratching my head a little bit. You know, I think it's something it'll be interesting to see if you know, depending on people's Jones situation, if Hill is back there again next week. But I got to think, you know, there are a lot of other guys. You could throw Ronnie Bell back there. I just said Giles Jackson, Sainra still. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that they seem to be elated about, at least their their athletic ability. Right. You know, and, and you're going to tell me that you trust your corner, but not one of your receivers? who's the receiver whose job it is to catch the ball. Like you don't trust that guy enough. I know it's a little bit different catching a punt than a pass maybe, but still like um, I just be interested to see if they stick with that. I, I kind of suspect they won't, but you never really know. Yeah. Yep. Next question comes from Jordan Eggleston. I think this is a valid question. He says it didn't seem like there was much rotation with the young names we heard a lot about on defense, referring to some of the fall camp uh, excitement. You know, um, uh, hear a lot about on defense like Hinton, Smith, Hill, McGrone. He's asking if what we think of that, and also if he missed something. So, Mozzie Smith not playing raised an eyebrow. Daxton Hill was out there a lot. Uh, you know, I he's not going to start again. We we talked about that. He's not a starter. Uh, if if Middle Tennessee is going to work quickly, I don't I don't know how many times they huddled. I don't know if they huddled at all, but but it did feel like they were working quickly, uh, trying to hurry up Michigan's defense, limit some of the rotations they could do. Uh, the two that surprised me the most for how little we saw them were actually McGrone and Smith. Um, again, though, we saw last year there were games where Josh Uche we like didn't see him against Notre Dame at all. And then suddenly, you know, a month later you understood why there was all this fall camp buzz. I think Michael Dwemfor was someone who kind of, it took him a couple weeks of game action before you actually saw what, what they had been hyping up about before you actually saw it in the game. So, um, you know, notable observation. I feel like McGrone, it almost sounded like they were buzzing about him as a potential starter. And instead, you saw all the other linebackers make plays. And so, um, you know, all of these guys, I will say, though, are, are the youngest at, in the two deep at their positions. You know, Chris Hinton, Mozzie Smith, that was their first time playing. Cameron Grone might as well have been his first time playing. It's not like he was playing a ton of games last year. Daxton Hill, first time playing. So I wouldn't read into it um, yet. 
you know, if you get to, if they don't play very much against Rutgers, they don't play, you know, all of a sudden you're in October, well, then maybe they just aren't able to transfer or they aren't able to beat out the guys ahead of them. But at the same time, you know, what did Jordan Glasgow do to, to warrant a benching for Cameron Grone? What did, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't pay a ton of attention to what Carlo Kemp was up to. Um, but is he someone that they should have put Mozzie Smith in for? I don't know. You know, Brad Hawkins and Josh Metellus seem to have good games. Is Daxton Hills, you know, first first ever game when he's already the backup behind them? Yeah, we saw a lot of Jameric. We saw I, I a lot of Jameric Woods yeah. yesterday too. I feel like he was in there quite a bit. So I don't know. What do you th- what do you think of these of these names that he was mentioning and some of these players that you didn't see as much of as, as maybe some thought entering the game? I mean, some of these. Some of the guys that are at the top of the depth chart are being thrust into new roles themselves, though, too, right? And I think that's going to take time for them to get comfortable. You know, Hawkins is one. Glasgow's one. Really, a lot of these guys, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross even, uh, Kemp. I mean, these are guys that have played a lot, but their roles have increased significantly. So I think I wouldn't read too much into them sticking with some of these guys a little bit longer than maybe we expected because it's it's going to take time for them to acclimate themselves into maybe a little bit more of a prominent role and and you know I mean they need game snaps too to kind of get ready you know for the heart of the season you know it's a little bit different than it normally is I mean you got Wisconsin in two weeks already you know and so, or three weeks but you know right. so I I, mean, I don't read. A ton into it. We'll see how they mix up the snaps again next week. You know, I, I think you because know, it, it's always a possibility with in individual circumstances. Particularly, I look at up front where maybe they weren't. You know, maybe they wanted to see more from their starters. You know, throughout the game, and that's why they kind of kept them in. I mean, that's one of the reasons they keep guys in. Could be. You know, yeah. like longer than we talk about. I know we talked a lot about. I think last year there were a few games where they kept the offense the first string in a little bit longer than you'd think. It's always because they want they want them to get more game reps because they are the ones for a reason, you know. So I while I think we I think I did expect a little bit more of a rotation in some of those spots, and yeah, I think McGrone, I agree with you was one guy I would have thought we'd see a lot more of yesterday. We'll see we'll see more of him. I suspect I, I'd be very surprised if we don't see him. I mean, not speculating or anything here but I mean for all we know maybe he was had just a slight injury or something and, and couldn't you know I mean, did he play I didn't even remember did he even play I would have to go was he in the participation chart I didn't even I didn't check it either but I mean even if again if he didn't or if he did play it was very sparingly so you know it's he's somebody I think we'll see more of but you know, as far as the rotation goes yeah I think it's more about getting your your starters as many game reps as you possibly can, you know, outside of a position like corner or somewhere like that, where you're going to be in instances where you want three or four, there were going to be four guys out there. That's why you saw Kelly mm-hmm. Powell got mixed in a decent amount yesterday. You know, you want to try to get those guys. It's a little bit different than backer where you can maybe go with your three or four, you know, whatever, depending yeah. on what set you're running that you can go with those guys all game if you have to. So yeah, I I don't know. We'll see going forward. You know, next week maybe another opportunity. I, they're favored by twenty three, which is very surprising to me. But, um, huh? Yeah. But you know, so that could be another opportunity to kind of test this theory a little bit. 
you know, but but like say like right. them keeping Ben Mason in, you know, I think that's an instance where it's like they they want to get him. Yeah, he needs, he needs to. to he still needs too. to learn a little bit, you know, how to play the position. So. Yep. Yep. Next question. This one comes from Ryan Mitchell. Why didn't Michigan go with any type of power game in the goal line drive? I assume he's referring to the one where they stalled out. Was it just because it was MTSU? Good question. I have a similar question. <laughs> um, you know, the I, I'd have to go back and watch the film to know specifically what was called when, but you know, some of the zone blocking, what you want to do when you're when you're a couple yards out. You know, what do you want to just keep having Dylan McCaffrey go to the sideline, the old Devin Gardner move? I feel like that was that was a big. Uh, it got flashbacks to DG in 2012, 2013, 2014 there. I don't know. Maybe it's, again, we talked about the offense. They're kind of tinkering. They're trying different things. That could be a big part of it, is they're trying to see what, what their new goal line situation stuff is because they were not good as a red zone offense last year, and they were not great at it a year before either. So that'd be... That'd be my best guess. Um, you know, it, I think you know, it's also relevant that the you have your personnel. Ed Warner's his own guy, so if you're Ryan Hayes or Jalen Mayfield, you might not be. Not that it's a drastic change that no lineman can is capable of making, but maybe if you've spent all fall camp working on X, why try Y? You know, if you've got players starting on your on your ends who are used to X, do you really want to go to Y? I would say maybe it'd be worth a try, and I assume they have it in their arsenal, but um, having not seen practices and not really <laughs> getting to, not, not knowing exactly you know which plays were called and which plays they're good at and which plays they're not, hard for me to, to go further beyond that. My guess would be a little bit of personnel, a little bit of establishing that identity and, and being open to trying things out on offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree, too. You remember we talked about heading into the week? I was interested to see if they would kind of hang on to some of that identity because this most of these same guys have been in an offense that is capable of doing that type of stuff. And you know, for them to kind of shy away from it as much as they did in some certain instances I thought was interesting. I, you know, you got to feel like it's something that they could always have in their back pocket, though. You know, and, and it really... You're playing a team that you should beat. You know, it might be more of an instance where, again, going back to working out the kinks, getting as many reps as you can in this new offense, you know, to try to diversify yourself as much as you possibly can before you start playing teams that you may have to open it up a little bit more against, right? So, uh, it, mm-hmm. so I suspect, you know, if you're playing a Wisconsin or a Penn State, Notre Dame, somebody like that, that I think you would have seen them go in a little bit more of a standard short yardage type situation in certain instances. Again, they have the, like you have four all big 10 offensive linemen returning, you know I mean? You should be that that's something that's a a yard or a yard and a half. You should be able to get more often than not against most teams you're going to play. So I, you know, I think I'd be very surprised if they continued to shy away from occasionally and, and when needed to, to line it, just line the ball up and, and take it, you know, and, and, you know, run it down mm-hmm. people's throats a little bit more. Again, I, I think just the biggest thing coming the first game is just always such an anomaly every year because 
it, it really to me, especially when you're playing an inferior opponent, it really to me is more about you know creating an identity, getting your guys acclimated to a, the new scheme or whatever scheme it is. You know, it's because whether there's new players entering an old scheme or just everybody entering a new scheme like this year, you know, I think it's more about game reps and just getting people acclimated. So, uh, you know, uh, it's not like shocking to me that they wouldn't pull it out in a game like yesterday. I would just be surprised again if we didn't see it like in a bigger game, you know, especially again, Charbonnet played really well. You got to think he's a guy capable of getting that yard. You could always throw Van Summeren in there. And I don't know how many snaps Mason played yesterday, but I can't imagine that they would – I don't think they would shy away from putting him in. in sir. I mean, he led the team in touchdowns last year. You know, it's like uh, rushing touchdowns. So, Well, Higdon had 11, but, yeah, he had a lot of touchdowns. Sorry, I was way off what, on that. I don't know six. where I came up with that. No, that's bit, all right. But, but, but your point is still strong that that was a goal line option for them that they right. used. Yeah. So I could see them use I, I just can't imagine they may not use it again if the if the opportunity arose or if they felt like it was their best chance to get in the end zone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting question. Another one that maybe Harbaugh will be able to address when he speaks on Monday. Uh, Dan asked, biggest impact players from last night. We kind of did our game ball. So I'm going to tweak it just a little bit. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about every player. But who who made a big impact that you were surprised by if there was one? Because, you know, I feel like we're pretty clued in, and a lot of our predictions came came to fruition. Uh, a lot of the players we said we felt like could be breakout players were. One guy, you know, we I knew he had moved inside. I knew he was flirting with the starting job. Uh, Jordan Glasgow is a very handy pass rusher as a linebacker and the fact that he was trained as a safety suggests that he's going to be fine in coverage uh that's that's an impact player i mean i i assumed he would make a bigger impact otherwise they'd stop having him available at press conferences and everything (laughs) but at the same time you know you never know exactly what the impact's going to be so so he's one guy that stood out to me steve anyone anyone catch you by surprise or do more than you thought they would uh, not really. I, I think maybe go back to gray again a little bit. I think he played, we'd heard, you know, we'd heard good things about him even going back to last year, uh, but I think he played better than I anticipated him playing in his first real, you know, big opportunity, you know, it was kind of the other, mm-hmm. well, originally it was going to be the other guy uh, opposite a hill until Thomas made his way back. So I'd have to go with gray to be honest with you. I thought he was really impressive you know, given the circumstances. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Last question. This one will come from me because we don't have a seventh question, but uh, of the players who are injured. So Michael Dwumfor, Donovan Jeter, Donovan Peoples-Jones, John Runyon Jr. Who does Michigan, who are they dying to have back the most? Like who was, who is the most missing from yesterday's game? Uh, well, you have a chance to think about it. I'll go first. I really think it's, it's, Donovan Jeter I you know I don't know if he's ahead of Dwump for that's kind of a risk there but I think as much as Ben Mason is a tenacious player and a strong player and pound for pound I think once they if they go up against 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 Wisconsin's offensive line with Ben Mason as the starting DT uh, there they might be in some trouble you know there were times where he was outsized and and the there were times where it worked really well I'm not I'm not discounting what Mason can do, but he's only he's only 270 pounds. You know, you go up against a Wisconsin O line with everyone's over 310. 
you know, with all respect to Mason, they need some of these bigger bodies to get in there. And, and Jeter, I think, has the uh, combination of, uh, you know, the ability to, to push and also get some pass rushing and also stop the run and his experience there. Um, so that'd be, I think, the guy they're missing the most, John Runyon Jr. being second. Who would you miss? Who who do you think Michigan's missing the most right now? I think a healthy Dwum four. So I think we're on the same page. I'm just gonna go with Dwum four. It's which is weird to say yeah, when Peoples yeah. Jones could arguably be one of their two or three best players, but it just comes down to the difference in depth. You know, I mean, so you you kind of already illustrated it. I'm just gonna go with Dwum four. I just think he has more experience. I think he's a better player at this. Well, we don't we don't know what Jeter is, so it's hard to put a lot there. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the one position I think that didn't really answer a ton of questions yesterday. Right. In my opinion, at least the one that of the ones that we had questions about, I think it was the one that didn't really answer uh, a lot of them. So I think, yeah, solidifying yourself in the middle. Yeah. It's going to be big. I mean, they're already running, you know, they're already running some three, four, which to me says a lot about what they feel like. You know, granted, we do like what they have at linebacker, right? But for them to kind of go with a little bit more three-four, I think, than they have in the past, is a as good an indication as any that they're also not deep. You know, in the middle up front, so I'd, I'd go with one four in that scenario for sure. Okay, so those were our questions. Uh, what what do you think of the format? Feel free to comment or pass along a message. Uh, trying trying to, to to review it in a bunch of different ways. Uh, come up with a way to break down this game maybe in some in a way that's other than here are five thoughts about the game uh, because you know we do that we did that a lot this summer five takeaways five questions um, so trying to try in a different format let us know what you think but for Steve Lorenz I'm Zach Shaw this has been the Wolverine 24/7 podcast check out all of our stories at the michiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast we'll see you next time